Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. So let's go into what, what you see. You have a lot of progressive ideas and what the government should be doing. What's on your list here that, and we don't have to go into all of them. Some of the big ones that are in your new book, just to whet people's appetites and get a ticket. Okay. So the new book is called The Money Revolution, How to Finance the Next American Century. And it has three parts. The first part is called Money, and it's a history of the Fed since it was created in 1913. And it's important for investors and for everyone to understand the Fed because the Fed is the world's most powerful economic institution. It is the U.S. government's most effective economic policy tool. And last year, if it had been a corporation, it would have been the most profitable corporation in the world, more profitable than Apple. So what the Fed does has enormous impact on the economy and on asset prices. So it's very important to understand how the Fed works and what it does. And that is what part one explains. The most important thing in the Fed's history in recent decades was when it stopped backing dollars with gold, setting off this money revolution that we've been talking about that turned capitalism into creditism. The second part of the book is called Credit, and it discusses the evolution of creditism and explains how the U.S. economy became addicted to credit growth and why the U.S. economy must have 2% credit growth adjusted for inflation to stay out of recession. And the third part of the book is called The Future. So the first, this book covers a span of 120 years. The first 110 years from the time the Fed was created in 1913 up to the present, 110 years roughly. And the final part of the book, the history is covered in parts one and two, but the final part of the book looks at the next 10 years, the future. And it tries to draw on the lessons from the past to make recommendations as to what we can do to make the future better. Now, this book was written primarily in, in 2018 and 2019, and it was largely finished by the time COVID started. And as you'll see, COVID created a very big problem for this book because here's why. So what I was looking at in 2018 and 2019 was that what we just lived through was the crisis of 2008 and the government's response to that crisis. So during that, we had a big global credit bubble. It started to blow up into a new Great Depression in 2008. And the government, by running trillion-dollar budget deficits, and the Fed, by creating trillions of dollars and financing those budget deficits at low interest rates, they managed to reflate the bubble. And despite all of this extremely aggressive fiscal and monetary stimulus, there was no inflation. The highest rate of inflation we got at the CPI level was 3.8% in 2011. And by 2015, it was actually deflation again. During the first few months of 2015, the CPI was negative. So what lesson should we draw from that? For, for just using the Fed, when the Fed creates money, it adds to the monetary base. In 2009, the monetary base grew by 110%. Now, this was roughly four times higher than the peak of World War II, money supply growth in World War II. And we still didn't get any inflation. Now, the classical economic theory always, and the Austrian theory, tells us that, in, like Milton Friedman said, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. 
But clearly that's not true because the money supply grew by 110% in 2009 and the inflation peaked at 3.8%. So the lesson that I drew from that was if in fact we can, the government can run trillion dollar budget deficits and the Fed can create trillions of dollars to finance those deficits at low interest rates in this new economic environment we find ourselves in, creditism, then we should make the most of this. And what I recommend in the third part of the book is that over the next 10 years, the US government should finance a multi-trillion dollar investment program targeting the industries and technologies of the future. Because it seemed that it was very easy for the government to, to, to spend trillions of dollars and the Fed to finance trillions of dollars with no inflation. So when COVID started and the supply chain bottlenecks erupted and then the war in the Ukraine occurred, suddenly we have high rates of inflation now. So this causes a very real, very serious blow to my thesis and my recommendation that the government can get away with this without causing high rates of inflation. But, but I, if one of our more positive scenarios plays out and the supply chain bottlenecks are overcome, the war ends, COVID goes away, in a few years from now, we'll probably be back in the same situation we were in 2019, where globalization is once again so disinflationary, the inflation rate will be under control, and the government then would be in a position to finance a very large-scale investment program over the next decade. And so the inflation has been quite a blow to this argument in the book, in the third part of the book. But on the other hand, the government's policy response to the COVID pandemic has actually in some ways supported my argument. I'm calling for a multi-trillion dollar investment program in the industries and technologies of the future over the next 10 years or over a 10 year period. Well, in, a, in one month, in April of 2020, the government borrowed $1.4 trillion in that one month alone. And during the second quarter of 2020, the government borrowed $2.8 trillion in just three months. So that's a multi-trillion dollar stimulus program in three months. I'm calling for a multi-trillion dollar investment program over 10 years. So just the fact that the government was able to borrow $2.8 trillion in three months with the Fed financing roughly 70% of that during the same period through money creation demonstrates how easy it would be for the government to finance a very large scale investment program. Now, what I'm suggesting is that the government finance a large-scale investment program targeting industries like quantum computing, artificial intelligence, genetic engineering, biotech, nanotech, neurosciences, renewable energies, and those sorts of new technologies. Lane is not a lawyer, CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com slash club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.